All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. It arms Get Demko involved. I wanted them in in Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. Pearl Steele's cutting in, shoots, scores! They slayed the dragon! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello, Canucks fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation presented by the great folks at Parallel 49 Brewing. My name is Chris Faber, and thank you for joining us this week for episode 70. It's a big number. It's Tanner Pearson's number. It's a huge episode. There's so much to talk about, so I might as well bring in my co-host, David Quadrelli. Quads, what's going on, buddy? This is actually episode 69 plus one. That's how we're going to refer to it. From, from now on, on it's yeah. just plus whatever. Plus two, plus three next week after that, and... So no NHL player is ever going to wear 69, but like I wonder if the number 70s say that. Like Tanner Pearson's probably like I'm number 69 plus one. One guy did it. I think a guy from Saskatchewan wore it. Probably it's, it's probably been a while because like I don't know why it'd be so funny. Yeah, I know. Like we like you know when I played baseball, um, and when you get to the um, you know, not a big deal. When you get to the higher level, <laughs> they let you like pick your number to put on the back with like your nameplate or whatever. Yeah. Everybody wanted to do 69, but everybody's parents were like, no. Like, you know, I joked about it with my mom. I was like, hey, mom, I'm going to wear number 69. She's like, why would you do that? And I'm like, okay, okay, I won't do it. I won't do that. Oh, man. My mom would have thought that was hilarious if I was 69. My mom's cool, but not that cool. No. 
My mom's cool. Uh, but <laughs> uh, I always wore number one just because I was like, I was a first hey, baseman. Hey, that's what I wore too. And a big, big number one on my back. I liked it a lot. It matched I was, good. We're like opposite sizes. Like I was number one because I, I was like a short second baseman who was like pretty fast. Would have been like the, the lowest numbered right side of an infield uh, ever. With a couple yeah, of there you ones. go. <laughs> uh, I'm excited I got added to a slow pitch team for this softball uh, softball season coming up. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking here. of playing men's league. I think yeah. I might. Yeah, I might play it's in good. an actual like. I want to play like softball. So you're talking down to me already. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I could, I could dust you, no problem. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, maybe we'll bring you out if we need someone. But uh, aside from baseball stuff, there's so much going on uh, with the Canucks right now. Um, a quick little disclaimer: we are recording this Friday night. It's like an hour and a half probably before puck drop here against Colorado Avalanche. Uh, it's 2000s night. Uh, I don't know how much you know about the 2000s or remember about the 2000s, but it's, you know it's a big night, obviously, and. I guess as we're recording this, we're going to be talking about it. It's going to be released Saturday morning, so there might be some things that are a little bit out of date. Uh, the tone of this team could change very quickly with a huge win against the Colorado Avalanche. But you know what? Colorado's a hell of a team, and they could come in here and be the Canucks, and the tone could really change in the other direction as well. So we're going to record this episode with what's been going on over the past little bit. Obviously, it hasn't been a great run for the Vancouver Canucks. The first time all year where they've lost four regulation games in a row, uh, which is a tough look, and a big guy who's had to step up into this certain situation because of the Jacob Markstrom injury is Thatcher Demko. And I guess we can just kind of get started here because... You know, since he's became the starter, he had a win against Montreal. He had a loss against Ottawa. He had a loss against Toronto. And most recently, the Canucks with a huge loss against the Arizona Coyotes, who was just that was that was a huge game. The Canucks needed to have that, and they just didn't. They gave it away, gave away another lead in the third period. But Thatcher Demko played a pretty good game that night. So where are you at with Demko right now? Hell yeah, man! Like, dude, he played he played exceptionally well. And that's the thing is, I hate this idea that you know because. Because people are saying that, oh man, the the team, the Canucks missed Jacob Markstrom. That doesn't equate to, man, Thatcher Demko sucks. And I had to explain that to people. I put out a tweet, and there were so <laughs> many people that were in my mentions. Are we like, going to get into that right off the bat? Hell yeah, we Okay, are. perfect. People are like, oh. I didn't see the tweet. Oh, well, I deleted it because I was just like, okay, I definitely worded this poorly. Um, deleting but, tweets. Yeah. Coward. Yeah, yeah deleting tweets <laughs> since 2007. Um, okay, what was the tweet? Okay, what was so, what were you trying to say with the tweet? What I was trying to say is um, that you know the Canucks do miss Jacob Markstrom, and that wasn't because Thatcher Demko's bad. It's because Jacob Markstrom's that good. You cannot expect a backup, a twenty-four-year-old backup, to come in and be a Vesna Trophy, Hart Trophy candidate. He's not going to play on par with Markstrom. That's just not going to happen. Yep. And you know, like Demko played well in that game. I wasn't trying to say that Demko was bad. But he did let in three goals. Like, how often does Jacob Markstrom let in three goals, no matter how bad the team in front of him is? And that's what I'm saying, is the problem is the team in front of him. It's not that your Demko's fault that he's not playing on par with a Vesna or Hart Trophy candidate goaltender. If he was, we wouldn't have anything close to a goaltending <laughs> controversy in Vancouver. It, controversy. We wouldn't have anything similar to that at all. We would just be like, okay, this is our guy. He's 24, and he's already this good. Yep. Like. He might become that one day. It took Markstrom till he was 29 years old to get to that. But man, like all these people being like, oh, you just hate Demko. It's like, fuck. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Like, that's not what I'm trying to say. It's the team in front of him. You were fired up last night. I've never gotten so many texts and straight caps uh, from you as I did last night. But like, I guess the thing that you said, it's not Demko's fault is what you said there. But the thing about Jacob Markstrom is, and, you know, you don't see this a lot with goaltenders, but I think Jacob Markstrom has, like, a clutch gene about him. You know, yeah. like, he's able to make the clutch saves when he needs to, and Thatcher Demko, unfortunately, wasn't able to do it against Arizona. And, you know, obviously, it's a tough giveaway. That that Troy Stetcher yeah, giveaway that was That can't bad. happen, first of all. Um, I think Troy Stetcher has just been, had, like, a, a rough couple of games, and I know that's something that you wanted to talk about as well. Uh, unfortunately, the VanCast got it out there first with their take, but no. you were you were so excited to tell me about the idea of, you know, making Jordy Ben a full-time guy on the right side. It's super early to talk about that. Yeah. But he looked really impressive uh, yeah. in his first game on the right side. Exactly. Like, it'll never happen. But, uh, yeah, I texted Chris today and said, man, I'm so excited for my sizzling hot Jordy Ben take. And he's <laughs> like, what is it? And I said, man, you got to put Jordy Ben on the second pairing with Quinn Hughes. Put Ben on the right side. He was solid on the right side. Perfect partner for Hughes. This is in the event of an injury, obviously. You're not going to take out Tyler Myers in order to put Jordy Ben in, or Chris Tanev, for that matter, or Stetcher. So I was like, man, I'm so excited to drop this. And you're like, oh, you listen to the VanCast? I'm like, no. He's like, they already said it. I'm like, yeah. 
Thomas Drantz beat you to it. But um, I, I want to like kind of expand on that conversation a little bit because you bring up the opportunity, the, the chance of him playing with Quinn Hughes. I think that's a huge step to take uh, from one game of seeing Jordy Ben. Yeah, so, no, it is. But it what is. makes you think that it would work, though? Like, so, there, there's got to be reasoning behind the take. Okay, so I was just looking, and, you know, like, we talk about analytics all the time on this show. We're both big users of it, but... Man, like you just it, the eye test, the analytics, everything supported that Jordy Ben was just significantly better on the right side, and I don't know why. Like I was looking, I'm like Jordy Ben doesn't make that breakout pass usually. Mm-hmm. Jordy Ben can't do that usually. What the hell's going on? And then you know you go back to his time in Montreal. Everybody said like, yeah, he's better on the right side, and that was something I talked about earlier in the year. Was uh, people in Montreal have told me he's better on the right side. So then. What are the chances that people are saying that, and then we see one game from him on the right side, and it's arguably one of his best games of the year, and he was playing some pretty decent hockey at the start of the year, yeah. so that that makes me think, like, okay, maybe there's something there, maybe they should try him on the right side, and, you know, as we're recording this, we already have the starting lineup, like, Fantenberg's back in, yep. Ben's out, or yeah, Myers, Myers, Myers. Yeah, yeah. sorry. So, yeah, if Ben's going to sit, I mean... The option is there. The fact that their right-handed shot defenseman is, you know, Tyler Myers missing that game and forcing Ben in was the first right-shot defenseman to miss a game all year long. Uh, Travis Green's not the type of guy that's going to rotate defensemen, and he's still, and he's definitely not the type of guy to put a left-shot guy on the right side. Like, that's just not Travis Green's way of playing. And um, I guess, like, it brings up an interesting conversation because Troy Stetcher, as we just kind of touched on, hasn't had a great run of games here. Jordy Ben plays a great game on the right side, but the thing is, I mean, Troy Stetcher plays with Alex Edler. I don't think Jordy Ben's going to hop up there and play with Alex Edler. No, no chance. But I said it on last week's show, or last Tuesday's show, I like the pairing of Tyler Myers and Alex Edler back together again. You know, I do too. Tyler like, Myers is the guy that can move the puck on that group, and if you move it down, and maybe Jordy Ben ends up playing with a Fantenberg again, and that takes Troy Stetcher out of the lineup, but... It's going to take a couple more bad games from Troy Stetcher because we can we should talk about the defense a lot because you know you mentioned it that it's been a tough run on Thatcher Demko. He had an incredible start to the season. His first seven games, well over nine hundred on his save percentage. And then he dropped down a little bit when he kind of got pushed into that starter role with Jacob Marsh from leaving. And now we're seeing it again. He's been bouncing up and down, just under nine hundred in some of these games. You know, allowing twenty, allowing four goals on twenty four shots against the Ottawa Senators. You know, that's not a great setting. I mean, I guess Toronto, he let in three goals on 29 shots against in that game. And, I mean, he's he's in a situation where he needs to step up into the starter role. And I think we've seen it throughout the season. He just hasn't been able to do it. When he had to get into a run of games, he just hasn't been as good as possible. And I think a lot of that is to do with the defense group. And at the start of the year, you can you can look at Jordy Ben and Troy Stetcher as a perfect example. That pairing, I mean, for the first, I think it was like 16 games of the year, somewhere oh, yeah. around there. Yeah. It was nine. They had a nine eighty one save percentage yeah. while they were on the ice. So yeah. like that's just not going to keep up. So obviously they were going to fall off. But now you you need to do a little bit of a change. This team. I know that we're recording this before the Colorado game, but if they lose to Colorado, the changes need to happen like yesterday. Like they need to be done as we're recording this. The changes need to be made. But what change can you make to make this defense better? Because it seems like Travis Green doesn't want to mix anything up. We also saw Louis Erickson skating back with Bo Horvat today. Yeah, like, man, that's the thing is, like, you know, everybody's so quick to blame the coach. And I just look at it and I'm like, man, like, what's he supposed to do? Like, you know, we like Zach McEwen, sure. But is Zach McEwen really going to do much di- much things differently than Louis Erickson in that role? Like, I know he hits harder. Like, I, I understand all this. And, you know... Uh, Green actually had a really in-depth answer today about Vertanen uh, and his deployment of Jake and how he can play on all four lines. But, you know, when they need to shut down a team and they put out the Horvat line, Vertanen's not the best guy to put out there. You don't want to be trading shots when you have Jake Vertanen out there. Like, that's just not something Travis is going to do. So, man, like, in terms of a lineup shakeup, Josh Levo would be great. Throw him in there. Right now, throw yeah. him on the third line. That's a good four-checking line alongside uh, Adam Gaudet and Jake Vertanen. That's great. I'd love to have Josh Levo. You know who else I'd like to have? Brock Besser. And that's who I would put in if I was Travis Green. I think it, Jake Vertanen isn't the worst option to play. I think Jake Vertanen's a better option than Louis Erickson in certain ways. If like if you want to shut down that line, sure, Louis Erickson's probably the better player. Yeah, yeah. But if you want to keep up with that line and you know not get you know like it's like Travis Green's playing to not get scored on three times by that line, but yeah. he's not playing to score any goals on that line. Mm-hmm. So he's hoping that his team doesn't get buried when he puts the Horvat line out in that situation. But Jake Vertanen was you know, I don't even think arguably the best player on Wednesday. He was by far the best Canuck. 100%. He was ringing it off the bar. He drew a penalty. 
He looked incredible. I don't know how many shots on net he had, but he had a handful of shots on net, close to it at least. And I think that if you have him out there, you know, you have Tanner Pearson, you have Bo Horvat, good defensive players. It's not the worst thing to have your one winger who's checking the point. It's not like Jake's going to go sit in the corner the whole time when he's in the defensive zone. And he's not really relied upon to to play like the most defensive game because your center is going to be the guy covering the center of the ice in the defensive zone. Tanner Pearson's the guy who's going to probably be the first guy involved in board battles. And Jake Vertanen is not bad in board battles either. And then when you have Jake Vertanen and he's kind of the top floating winger out of that group, he that opens up an opportunity because the other team's lines are looking to score goals. When you go up against that Nate McKinnon line, they're trying to score goals every single time they're on the ice. And if you can spring Jake on a quick breakaway, like how often does Jake get these breakaways? It's like a lot of people that make the argument why Jake Pretana doesn't kill penalties. Like, though he's not the best defensive player and he's not in the right spot all the time, the opportunity to score goals is still there when he's on the ice. Yeah. And it's easy. Like, Jake Pretana can fly by a defenseman. Yeah. I've. I wrote about in that article that I wrote a long time ago about Jake Vertanen finally becoming a power forward. He just he doesn't even need a step on a guy. He just needs to have like minus one step, and he's already ahead of the guy. Yeah. He just needs to have a little bit of space to get around a defenseman. You can do it with the speed because the speed is ridiculous. It's you know it's a, he's one of the faster players in the NHL. He's got more than NHL speed, and I just wonder after what you saw and what impact he made on the game against the Arizona Coyotes. I get what Travis Green's doing. He wants to shut down the McKinnon line, mm-hmm. but I'm sorry. You can have the best three shutdown players in the NHL, and you're not 100% going to shut down Nate good McKinnon's point. line. Very he's one point. of the he's possibly most impactful player offensively in the NHL. So I propose this to you, Mr. Faber. Instead of having to Foley on the first line, you slide to Foley down to the second line. To Foley's more, even better. I think that's to Foley's even better. more responsible defensively than Jake. I would argue that he's just better all around than Louie, especially like on the offensive side. That's not even a question. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, in terms of his defensive game, like Tavoli's worked hard on it and you know, the Pedersen line doesn't get out chanced much when Mm -hmm. Tavoli's out there. And man, like that, that brings me to my next point that I wanted to propose to you. Like, you know, so that's my, you know, when we talk about what we change, I'd put Vertanen on the first line back with PD and uh, Miller for the time being. I wish I wish this didn't have to happen. I wish the Besser was up there, but, and then you'd put Toffoli down to the second line that kind of solves that problem. You can play that Horvat line in matchups and, you know, they can maybe spring it the other way with, you know, Pearson and Toffoli out there. It makes a lot of sense to do that because that's what you'd like to see in the playoffs, right? You'd like to see Pearson, Horvat, Toffoli, and I think that's where they're going to get to in the playoffs if they make the playoffs. Because it seemed like weeks ago we were saying, you know, when Brock Besser's back, it makes sense to go back to the lotto line. And it makes a lot of sense for Toffoli to slide down. But let them play now. Let them develop a little bit of chemistry because it's not going to be automatic. Obviously, he's played with Pearson in the past. But he hasn't played much with Horvat, and the only time he's been on the ice with Horvat, he scored a goal in overtime and won. And we talked about this last week on the show. Yeah, exactly. Like, man, I, I would, I'm still like dying to see Toffoli play with Pearson. Like, I think that's going to be just like at five on five. I think those guys can produce, and I think they can, you know, they can compete with the top teams uh, line. And this is what I want to, this is what I'm propose to you because. You know, we look at these losses, and I feel like a lot of people aren't looking in depth enough. Who's out on the ice when the Canucks are losing these leads late? Let's go back to Columbus. Let me take you down memory lane. Brandon Sutter takes a penalty. Maybe it was Antoine Roussel. I don't remember the order. But then it was Antoine Roussel after. Yeah. Jacket score, what was it, three goals in seven minutes or four goals in seven minutes? If you include oh, the empty yeah, netter. count the empty netter. Okay. Four, right? So four goals in seven minutes. That cannot happen. You know who didn't take a penalty? Elias Pettersson, JT Miller. Tyler Toffoli. Here's my proposition to you. If, you know, like, fuck, man. These people online that are being like, oh, the young guys just got to learn how to close out a game. It's like, they're not give, They're not being given the opportunity to close out a game. Like, Pedersen's not, a, you know, I won't even talk about Hughes. Like, the people who are mad at Travis Green about not putting Hughes out in that game for the last 10 minutes, Hughes was hurt. Yeah, He's not going to put a hurt that. player. I like, understand that. You know, I just think we should make a disclaimer about if he, that. If he were to be healthy and that happens, it's a totally different That's story. That's a different story, 100%. Because we've totally seen Quinn Hughes have a pretty low goals against yep. compared to, you know, similar players in a situation. Though I was doing some research today and Kill McCarr is whooping his ass at five on five for goals <laughs> against, uh, expected goals against. So uh, I won't get into that too much, but yeah, I think that that line that you just mentioned. Sorry, sorry, I got to finish my thought. Yeah, go ahead. So that lo- that first line, what are your thoughts on, fuck, throw them out there to shut down the, the team's top line? Like, just throw them out there to turn, like, turn down the heat late because you know what? That line spends most of their time in the other end. The yeah. team can't That's score if they don't right have the puck. Yes. <laughs> That's I 100% agree and I think that we just we haven't seen it. Um every single person expected it 
everybody thought that Toffoli was going straight on that line with Horvat and Pearson because it was finally time for Bo Horvat to have a complete line, right? It was the first time since he's been here where he's been able to play on a line with NHL top six players. And we just haven't seen that. And I've heard the argument that Tanner Pearson's not a top six player. You look at his production, he's a top six player. I've made the argument that he's not a top six player. I said earlier in the year on this show that he would be an elite fourth line player. He has proved me wrong. I I didn't buy into Tanner Pearson until maybe 25 games into this year. I was... I was anti Pearson, uh, but I have definitely turned on that. And I think that I just don't understand why they're not using that because Jake for has had success with that line. When Jake for on that line with Miller and Pedersen, their goals for to goals against, they control 66% of the goals. They're scoring a lot more. No, sorry. 75% of the goals. They're controlling such a high percentage of the goals and they're controlling the Corsi. I think it's like 57% when they're on the ice together. Jake for not a guy who's going to have a high Corsi all the time, but the thing that he does on that line is he moves the puck from just on the inside of their own blue line to the other team's offensive zone. He moves the puck that way, you know, very well. And if he gets set up, guys aren't looking to, to lock in on Jake for when he's on that line. And that, that's what opens up all the space. And I've talked about this so freaking much that it just starts to piss me off all the time that they don't have Jake for on that line because his speeding, his speed skating, just opens up so much room on rushes that it forces guys because like when you're going in on a rush, if you're on a three on two situation and you have Jake for Tannen coming down with the puck and you have JT Miller and Elias Pedersen, you think the defensemen are keying on Jake for Tannen? Like that's the last of the three they're going to key on. They say JT Miller, he's got 69 points, which is nice. You're going to key on on him. You have Elias Pedersen, who's freaking like an elite player. And he's butting into a superstar in this league. You're going to key up on those two players. That's going to leave space for Jake to drive to the net and get around defenseman, which he's capable of doing. And the fact that that line, you know, they're going to get so many three-on-two opportunities. And when you have a different guy in that situation, I'm not saying Toffoli's bad. He's good, too. If he's involved in a three-on-two, that's totally fine on the first line. I think Toffoli's a great top-six player, and he can play with those guys. He becomes a first-line player when he plays with Miller and Pedersen just because of how skilled they are. But it makes so much more sense to have Toffoli play with Horvat and Pearson that I just don't understand why Jake won't go out there because it's not like that's a bad option. It's a good option. Like the numbers back it up and the eye test backs it up even more because everyone says Jake for like not the best analytics. He's not the smartest player. Smart hockey people don't like Jake for <laughs> but he's a great eye test player when he dominates games or when he's playing with good players because he's set up in all these great opportunities. So I completely agree that the top six needs to be Jake on the right wing on the first line and to on the second line on the right wing. Wow, I dude, I think that's the most amped up I've ever seen. I like up. talking about Jake Vertanen, and wow. they don't use them the right way. That was almost as amped up as I was when I was talking about Thatcher Demko not being Jacob Markstrom and everybody getting mad at me on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, <you laughs> sorry were, about that, guys. By the way, that was like night. five, what four minutes into the show, I was just like going <laughs> off about Twitter. Oh, I like man. how we like come in here. We have an outline of stuff we want to talk about. We haven't touched on any of it yet. Um, so yeah, I just I wanted to like wrap up the final thing was that about Brock Besser, just the fact that when he comes back, if like, it just doesn't seem right that Toffoli gets moved down to the second line right when Brock Besser comes back, because they just haven't played much together, man. You know, it doesn't make a lot of sense. You know what batch brought up on Twitter was, I don't, he, he doesn't think like, well, he doesn't think he says he doesn't know if Besser's even going to be in the top six when he comes back. I, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Like, you know, he's obviously an improvement on Antoine Roussel. Mm-hmm. He's an improvement on Jake Vertanen on that line. But then where's Jake Vertanen going up to the first line? I'm like, pretty sure when they come back and I think, you know, especially going into playoffs, the way Travis Green thinks, I'm pretty sure the lineup's going to be the first line's going to stay the same with Toffoli with those two. Then you're going to have Horvat, Erickson, and Pearson. Maybe Levo's back by then because oh, that would be huge. Because yeah. Levo would go in that spot before Brock Besser would. He goes into that spot before Jake Vertanen does. And then the option that you have with the third line, and this is where the team starts to look deep when you look at three lines. Unfortunately, still Louis Erickson's going to be up there. But the third line, you put Jake Vertanen on the left wing, somewhere where he's thrived. And if you look at him, if you look at him drive to the net in a lot of spots, look at how, look at a lot of production that comes out of Jake Vertanen. He's driving to the net and he's getting the puck on net and maybe a rebound's happening. If you have Jake Vertanen as your left winger, Adam got as your third line center. And then Brock Bessier as your third line, right winger. It's pretty damn good. And I kind of like that as well. Uh, But 
that's the type of thing where it's just like it just doesn't make sense and you still have Louis Erickson in your top six. Yeah, that's that's you know, just that sentence hurts to say. Louis Erickson is in the Canucks top six. And you know, like, man, it does suck that Michael Furlan couldn't get healthy. Like he would have been so good if he was if he was just able to stay healthy. Like it would have been great to see what he could do. Like Man, I I just feel for that guy. Like I, you know, the hope is obviously that he can be ready for training camp. I know that's what he's going to be striving toward. But man, like, yeah, just like nobody talk. Like that's the thing is nobody talks about these guys, man. Like everybody's yeah. talking about Markstrom. Fair enough, they should be. Like Markstrom is this team's MVP. Might be the league MVP. Might be well, he is the best goaltender in the league as far as I'm concerned. Stolen eight wins. How you doing? And then you lose guys like Levo, Besser, Furland. And nobody's talking about it. And you know who else nobody's talking about? Jay Beagle. He's been out for all of these games that the Canucks have blown late. Well, don't don't start <laughs> bringing Jay Beagle into the goddamn thing. Like big Jay, big Beagle fan. Jay Beagle is Brandon Sutter. Brandon Sutter is Jay Beagle. And they're fourth line centers that are paid too damn much to play hockey. Hey hey hey! I would argue that Jay Beagle's better than Brandon Sutter. Jay Beagle is going to be the goddamn reason that Tyler Toffoli can't be signed in Vancouver. And the same <laughs> with Brandon Sutter. Hey, we got to talk about cap space. We will get uh, we can get to that after a commercial, but I've, let's let's wrap up the the bottom six talk as we're we're going through the whole lines here. We this is, we've Beagle. we've done a full round of this team. We talk defense, we talk talk six, but let's talk about the bottom six because when you move a lot of these players around, like if you were to take Louis Erickson out of the top six, like a lot of people want, and we saw it in the other game, like if Jake Vertanen's put on that line with Horvat when they're losing, maybe that's when they're looking for goals. Louis Erickson just doesn't fit anywhere, and it's something that I've talked about all this year. Every single guest podcast that I've gone on and talked about Louis Erickson about is when he plays on the fourth line, he absolutely disappears into games, and sometimes he doesn't even play on the fourth line. Yeah, exactly. Like, man, if we're going to talk about the bottom six, I just want to talk about how good Tyler Mott is. Like, Tyler Mott, I think, is just one of the most underrated Canucks, man. Like, here I am harping on Beagle and Tyler Mott. I know you're looking at me like, man, I just... (laughs) What are you pulling up here? Just I, I saw this meme and it was so yeah from that Captain Phillips. It was like a meme on Canucks Reddit, and it just was like a picture of uh, Tyler Mott, and it's just like it's like Tyler Mott on the shorthand when he's killing penalties. It's just like I'm the power play now. And it was oh, just like that meme, literally, because so like he when he's killing penalties, we saw it the other day. He just took over, like got a couple of fast breaks. Yeah. Um, I've I've said it a lot, man. I think that Tyler Mott is a great fourth line player. Yeah, like, like man, and you remember he came back in the Thomas Vanek trade. That's where like the pro scouting started to turn a little bit. Yeah, even though they went out right after there and signed some some tough free agents. Oh yeah, that's just like I feel like the the pro scouting is different when you're making these trades. Man, what you're we got to do a pro scouting look at like who they targeted pre 2018, 2017. And then after like, man, JT Miller, Tyler Toffoli, you know, they paid yeah. a premium. Don't get me wrong. I hope we feel good after that. Cause I don't want to have a headache on a Friday night going into <laughs> that and looking at the pro scouting from the earlier days of Jim Benning's tenure here in Vancouver. But uh, all right, let's wrap it up. Let's, let's throw to a quick uh, parallel ad and uh, we'll jump in on the other side and yeah, we'll talk some cap space. All right, guys, uh, we have calmed down a little bit, and I'm here to tell you about the great folks at Parallel 49. Um, if you want to calm down with a beer, why not go out and try the Ruby Tears, which has been selected by Ricky Gervais as his favorite beer of all time. That's right, Ricky Gervais, the guy who, what did he just host, the Oscars or something? I don't follow these. Yeah, fo- The Oscars, I think, is what he hosted. Uh, so he's a big deal, not a big deal. Uh, you can go out and try the Ruby Tears. That's what they're giving out as their specialty beer of the month right now because they're giving away um, a dollar for every six-pack that you go out and buy from a BC liquor store. So go out and try the Ruby Tears if you haven't tried it. Um, I'm heading back in there on Monday to pick up some beers because I went uh, tried to go deep into February without drinking. I accomplished it except for one night. Uh, so I'm going to get back and try some more parallel beers as we move into the future. I'll have some other ones to talk about in upcoming episodes. But uh, go out and try the Ruby Tears. You can follow them on Twitter at Parallel49Beer. All right. We've calmed down a little bit. It's still hot as hell in the studio here, Quads. Um, it's What are we looking at now? So 26. Oh, my gosh. So our, our last 25 minutes of podcasting bumped up the temperature like two or three degrees <laughs> in this goddamn sauna. Oh, my gosh. Um, okay. I want to talk about something that was announced um, on March 4th, a couple days ago. Uh, what was that? Uh, Wednesday, I believe it came out. Eric Francis was the guy that I saw tweeting it out, which is surprising because I don't see a lot of Eric Francis tweets. Uh, but he announced, he was the first one I saw that said, Bill Daly announces he's told teams the salary cap is projected between $84 million and $88.2 million next year. 
when you saw that tweet or when you heard the news, what were your initial thoughts that day? Oh, yeah, this is good for the Canucks. <laughs> like, you know, it, it's good for everybody. Everybody wants a higher cap for sure. But, man, like, for the Canucks especially, you know, there's so much talk of are they going to be able to re-sign this guy? Are they going to be able to re-sign Toffoli, Markstrom, Tanev, Stetcher? Like, it, the, the tune in this market, and I think it still is this tune, is that there's no way they can bring back both Stetcher and Tanev. Those are two right-shot defensemen that the Canucks are going to, one of, they're going to lose. Like, you know, Stetcher yep. has arbitration rights. Tanev's a free agent. Tanev is going to get a pay raise. You just told me that people were mad at you for saying that? Like, really? Well, people said that, I think people said that when he goes to free agency, I was saying he gets over $5 million. And, like, with the raise in the salary cap, now it's, you know, for sure he's getting over $5 million. Yeah. But I say if Tan- if Chris Tanev gets, stays healthy, not even not even stays healthy for the remainder, if he stays relatively healthy, plays 70-plus games, he gets $5-plus million anywhere in the NHL wherever he signs. 100%. 100%. What about Stetcher? What do you think? Man, Stetcher's a really interesting one because, like, He's been used a lot in top six minutes. This season, he's not been used in top, or sorry, top four minutes. And this year, not so much. Like, he hasn't played a ton of minutes this year compared to what he has in the past. Like, before he's had to step up and be a top four, the fact that the right shot defensemen aren't getting injured just gives, you know, gives Troy Stetcher an opportunity to play 15 minutes a game. It's not like he's out there even, like, killing penalties. Like, it, they, I think they use Tyler Myers over Troy Stetcher killing penalties. Um, it's not like they're going to use him on the power play because they have Quinn Hughes, they have Tyler Myers, they have Alex Edler, who are all ahead of him. So he's playing a lot of five-on-five five minutes, but he's not playing as much as the top four guys in front of him. So his contract is really interesting. He talked about it at the trade deadline that you know he doesn't want to go anywhere. I'm interested to see what his conversation is like with yeah, Canucks management. What that looks like. When the contract's up, does he still not want to go anywhere? Does yeah. I mean, Troy Stetcher could be an absolute fan favorite in this town. If he were to sign a deal longer than $3 million or sorry, longer than three years, but around $3 million or somehow by the grace of God under $3 million, that would just, you know, that's like, that's the type of defenseman that you can move into your top four. That's not making a lot of money plays in your bottom pairing. And that's like as good as it gets in a bottom pairing defenseman, Troy Stetcher's at that level, right? Like yeah. he's he's just about to be a top four guy, but he's a great guy to have in your bottom pairing. If you have that guy locked up for under three million for three years on this Canucks team that's already in a little bit of a cap crunch, I think that uh, I think that's great. But I think that Troy Stetcher probably is looking he's probably looking at a number that starts at three. I don't know. I don't really know where to go from there. What do you think it is for three? Let's say like I'm thinking a three year deal. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was thinking like a 3 by 3 seems kind of fair. But, you know, like right now he's making 2.3. So, man, like he's o- he's obviously going to get a raise. Yeah. There's no question about that. He's getting a raise. But, man, like I, it's it's all about the years for me. Like I, I really, I wonder if is this guy going to take a discount? Like, you know, I said it before. Like, you know, his, his quote about I want to bring this team a Stanley Cup. Like this is my city, but all that stuff. Like. Man, that sounds like somebody who wants to take a literal hometown discount. Like th- that sounds like something he that you know I wouldn't I wouldn't say that's not going to happen. I wouldn't say that's going to happen. I'd say there's a chance that it happens. And if anybody's going to do it, I'd say Troy Stetcher's the guy to do it. But with cap space, Chris, there's another free agent out there, Tyson Berry. What oh, do you think, dude? You can't st- <laughs> no, you can't start talking about Tyson Berry right now. This is ridiculous. Like you didn't even touch on any of the other guys. Like you, we got to talk to Foley. We got to talk for Tannen. You got to talk Tyler Mott. Possibly Adam Godet's going to need a contract. Like these, these contracts are going to be so important because if you don't think there's a cap problem in Vancouver, you're looking at next year and you're thinking, you know, maybe they're able to sign Adam Godet and. You know, and Tyler Toffoli, and Chris Tanev, and Troy Stetcher with this cap raise, and Jacob Markstrom. Like, the money is probably there to get all those players signed, right? Like, the money's probably there if the caps, let's just say it's at $86 million. Like, it's there to sign those players. But then you look at who the restricted free agent is the year after that, the 2021-2022 season. Oh, boy. Elias Pettersson's not making $900,000 anymore. Quinn Hughes isn't making $900,000 anymore. If you don't think there's a cap crunch, you don't know how much money those two are about to make. Give me Barry or give me death. Yeah. (laughs) Give me Barry, and that is death. If they they sign Tyson Barry 
after signing Tyler Myers to that huge contract, the Tyler Myers contract has completely shut down the the chance of them. I'd like Tyler, to just put out a disclaimer Tyson. for those that don't know my sense of sarcasm. That was sarcastic about yeah. Barry. I wasn't. I wasn't. Oh, uh, you can hear it in your voice. If you would have tweeted that out, you would have had to delete oh. another tweet, though. Yeah, I'll no kidding. Oh, tell me about it. But, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry to cut you off. Go the, for it, man. So here's what here's what I look at when I talk about the cap going up. Another thing that I noticed right away was, man, like last week you and I talked about it. Like we look at the assets they gave up for the Tyler Toffoli trade. I'm not too mad about giving up a third round pick for the sense of, man, we could draft a third rounder. He could come in and play. Like you know, obviously that's a possibility. The thing that I I second think rounder of, by the way. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was a conditional fourth or That's something. That's also where they drafted Niels Hoglander. I just want to throw Truth, truth, truth. Okay, okay, okay. Anyways, anyways, what I'm saying, Chris. They gave up a lot. <laughs> they did, they did. But here's what I'm saying is those assets can be used to move out bad contracts in times when they really need cap space. And, you know, like that's what I'm talking about with these assets. And now I see the cap go up even more. Now I'm thinking, okay, maybe they don't need to pair an asset with a terrible contract as much as I thought they'd had to. Like, you know. Who knows? Maybe this summer they're like on a complete overhaul. They're like, or next summer, sorry, the one after this one when they have to sign Hughes and Pedersen. Like, who knows? Maybe they're like, okay, we'll give you a third round or second round, fuck, whatever, to take Louis Erickson's contract. Please just take him. Just like, please. The buyout's not bad. Uh, That's after, true. That's true, the, too. The final year of Louis Erickson's contract does not, it's not horrible. It's not as bad as it was. I believe it's like $3 million spread out through two years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, man, like, I just, I just look at this and I say, like, just like, there's options here. If the Canucks have some assets, they can get re- get out of some bad contracts. They can get out of a Brandon Sutter this offseason, not next, because next he's a UFA, isn't he? Yeah. 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 After next offseason, he'll be a UFA. So, man, like, I, I just look at that, and I, like that was my original thought when we were giving up assets. So I'm like, okay, they need these assets to pair to get rid of bad contracts because they need it. But now... Now they have a little more cap space to play with. Maybe they don't have to get rid Here's of so many assets. the only thing about that, though, is like when the cap space goes up, agents don't go by the contracts that are signed. Yeah. The agents go by the percentage good, of the cap point, that they're going to expect. And that's what I wanted to ask you about with Tyler Toffoli and Jake Vertanen because Jake Vertanen is going to score 20 goals this year. Tyler Toffoli plays for the Canucks all year. He's scoring 20 goals in a Canucks jersey for sure. If you want to get those two players signed, you got to pay. And... You know, Tyler Toffoli makes four point six million dollars right now. How much of a raise, if any, does he get to sign? Let's say he'll be what twenty eight. So yeah, he's looking at he's, he's looking, looking for, for a, a five year contract yeah. probably, right? And that's signing that five year contract. He's probably not looking under five million either. Unfortunately, I mean, it's not like he's his career didn't really turn like Tanner Pearson's did. You know, like Tanner Pearson last year, because of the injuries and everything, before he came over to Vancouver, he was trending downwards. It, it, you know, like Tyler Toffoli hasn't really done that. He, he's trended downwards a little bit from scoring. Was it 31 he had that one year? Yeah. So he trended down a little bit from there, but he didn't sign the $4 million deal until, or yeah, I think he signed that one year before he scored 31. I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Yeah, we did. Show. The amount of contracts of players between like three million and four point five are the things that are costing the Vancouver Canucks, and that's the thing about Jake Vertanen is I think he fits somewhere into that too. I think he's between three and four and a half million. Fuck, man! Like, let's stop talking about cap space. This is just a headache, like waiting it to is. happen. This is like we'll have lots. I feel of time bad in for Jim Benning. That's what I want to say right now. Is I feel bad for he him. He did this himself. Did Don't do feel bad himself. for him. That's true. But fuck, like this is gonna be tough, man. <laughs> My goodness. Okay, That's, what's our next topic? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, there was one more that I wanted to touch on, um, I guess, like with Sven Berchi and the situation. Ooh, him. Yes, we can yeah. touch on that a little bit because Sven Berchi right now playing in the minors, I believe his contract is uh, 3.3. He's making like 3.3 3, uh, in the minors when he's buried. He's only a 2.29 cap hit against the Vancouver Canucks, but he signs through next year. Like, the recapture kills them for three years. Uh, over $3 million for that recapture penalty on Roberto Luongo. Ryan Spooner will be up after next year. So there's money coming off the books for Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes. But it's like $3.5 million coming off the books, and you still have the Roberto Luongo one. So there are things that are going to help with the Vancouver Canucks in the next couple of years. But if you look at what they have signed going into next year, like right now, before they sign all these players – there's only $20 million in cap space, which is why I said earlier on, you can get all these guys signed, I think, for $20 million. But you really don't have any wiggle room, and you are definitely not adding anyone. 
You're not going after Tyson Berry? Is that what you're trying to God tell me? <laughs> Drop the goddamn Tyson Berry thing. There's no chance in hell. They should have. If you wanted it, they should have just traded like a future first and, and Troy Stetcher for him. Then you could have got it done. But as soon as. Yeah, no. I mean, it's like contracts that are going to hurt the Canucks in the future. There's a handful of them. Tyler Myers is already going to hurt them with that because you can't go out and try for Tyson Berry. You know, like. If they didn't have Tyler Myers and they had Tyson Berry instead, then you could lock up Troy Stetcher, not worry about Chris Tanev, and your right side's looking okay. But that's the other thing. is like with the right side players, everyone's talking about you have to choose between Tanev and Troy Stetcher because Brogan Rafferty's going to knock on the door next year. He's going to have to play in the NHL next year. He's ready for the NHL. He's only played one professional season. Yeah. He's excelled at the AHL level, but it is such a different game. I think that... It's too bad that we haven't got to see him, but I understand why. Because they, they're they not going to give him a two-game stint. But, like, now that I see it, like, when you're calling up Breezebois and Chatfield on, like, a Monday and you're making that call up, like, why not Rafferty at this point? Like, if you need someone to play in a pinch and they're only playing one game down in Utica, like, it makes a lot more sense just to see what Rafferty can do. Okay, but how many games has Breezebois and Chatfield played this year? I think one I combined. Think, I thought it was none. Who Who played? I think Breeze. Uh, Chatfield has not played a game. I know a hundred percent. And I'm I don't pretty think... sure. Or did Sautner play? Sautner, Sautner played. played one game. Sautner played one game. So that's right. to answer to answer what you just said, like that's why I don't think we've seen um, seen Rafferty get called up because he's not. It doesn't do him much good. He's already twenty five. Like they got to develop this kid as fast as possible, kid. Mm-hmm. They, like they don't have time to put him in the press box and let him sit. And that's the thing is like, man, if this was the Canucks of two years ago. Man, they should oh, be yeah, playing Rafferty, hundred sure. percent. Like, dude, like somebody's gonna be hurt if the Canucks are. Two Doesn't years it help ago? To just like go out there? And this is the thing that I talk about with goaltenders, and it's why Thatcher Demko had to get up here so he could see what NHL yeah. shots look yeah. like. I think it's important for Rafferty just to see what practice can be like, see the speed of these players, sure, see what a shot looks like coming off an NHL stick compared to an AHL stick, see what it's like just to you know battle in the boards with a guy who's sure, a lot sure. bigger and a lot faster than every guy in the AHL. I'm not saying that he should be up here for two weeks just practicing, but next time there's an emergency call up, sure, I, I would have no like. I understand what they're trying to do, but I think it makes a lot of sense to also call up Rafferty. Instead no, of that, that, that's a fair point for sure. Like, yeah, dude, but practice is beneficial for sure. Like, hundred percent. I just, man, like you know, we talk about Rafferty's successful at the AHL level. He needs a shot at the NHL. He does need a shot at the NHL, sure. But you know who else is successful at the AHL level? Level, Derek Pouliot. I thought we were going to talk about Goldie for a second. I was ready to take a Goldie turn. <laughs> oh, a Goldie turn. We should talk about Goldie. You know what? I think we ten- can talk about Goldie uh, since we're going to dive into our next segment here. It's time to bring in the granddad himself, who we forgot to congratulate last week. But we will as we intro him in. So let's ride the bus with Corey Hurricott. McEwen into the goal and he scores! What a play by Zach McEwen who draws the Comets to within one. A little shimmy shake. Alright guys, as we just mentioned, it is now time for Riding the Bus with Corey Hergott. Corey, you know what I forgot to do last week with you? What's that? I forgot to congratulate you becoming Grandpa Hergott. Oh yeah, thanks man. How was that? How's it been so far? Because I saw a picture of you with the little guy. It's it's pretty great. I mean, uh, 
it's uh, pretty exciting times in our family. Uh, my daughter's healthy, uh, baby's healthy, Forrest Charles Lemieux. Um, yeah, everybody's doing well. So, uh, you know, pretty exciting times uh, for our family, for sure. That's our my first grandchild. And uh feel that 47 years old feels a little bit strange <laughs> to call myself a grandfather. But uh, I, I did the same to my in-laws uh, be- before they hit 47. So... There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Returning the favor now. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, congratulations on that. So awesome, the picture. And just hearing that everyone's healthy, uh, me and Quads are super stoked for you and your family, Corey. That's awesome. Much appreciated, guys. Absolutely. Well, that's big news, obviously. <laughs> Mikey DiPietro has had some big news of his own as well over the past little bit. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about tonight's game. Uh, we're recording this on Friday. They play the Charlotte Checkers. They play them again tomorrow, which is Saturday. But uh, I guess we can just run through the game tonight. It looked like only three guys hit the score sheet for the UK Comets, but that seemed to be enough to get the win. Yeah, it was their uh, their top line of uh, Carter, Camper, Sven Berchi, and Reed Boucher did the damage uh, on both goals. Um, not really surprising. Those guys tend to hook up well for goals, and uh, you know they're just piling up the points this year. Boucher set uh, another. Uh, uh, Utica Comets record and a new record for him, 32 goals uh, this year. He had uh, 31 last year, so uh, he broke his own record again. So congrats to uh, Boosh on that one. Um, yeah, and, and Berchi, man, he had some really, really nice plays tonight. Uh, he had a ridiculous uh, through-his-legs drop pass at speed to Justin Bailey for a chance that uh, didn't end up going for a goal, but it was one of those plays where you kind of wish Sven was up in Vancouver doing that with uh, with a guy like Bo Horvat. Yeah, no doubt. I think that there's a lot of people that uh, over the past couple of games for the Canucks have started to wonder about some of these Utica Comets players a little bit. And, uh, you know, I guess we can just – I wouldn't mind asking you about that, Corey, because, like, you just mentioned it was Sven Berchi. Like, when he makes a play like that, this isn't something that happens once in a blue moon. There's, there's plays being made by him and, you know, Justin Bailey, Cole Lind, Nikolai Goldobin. Like, these guys are making – incredible plays happen at the AHL level. Which one of them is doing it the most that makes you say, like, why is this guy in the AHL still? Well, I mean, I've been saying it all year. I, I think Sven Berchi's an NHL hockey player, and I think he should be up in the NHL. I, I, I haven't made any bones about that. Um, uh, he's had a, a fantastic year down there in Utica. He's coming on right now, which is good because... Uh, you know this team's in hard, in tough right now for a for a playoff appearance. They, their division is one of the toughest in the league as far as uh, teams being all bottled up and bunched up together in, in points. So, uh, you know, when you've got a guy like Sven Berchi who's got a lot of NHL games under his belt, he can come in there and uh, kind of put the team on his back uh, for a few shifts or for a whole game or for a couple of games if he has to. And uh, for the Comets to have a player like that down there at this time of the year, it's uh, it's a huge huge. Uh, boost for them 100 percent and uh talking about cole lind um i don't know if you caught this or, or not if you caught the game or if you caught the the tweets about it but uh justin bailey got run hard into the boards tonight uh by uh caven uh, fitzgerald and uh reed or sorry uh, cole lind was very very quick to uh make him answer for his trans- transgressions cole jumped in there dropped the mitts and the two of them threw down for a bit of a wrestling match but uh you know, it was good to see Cole jump in there and stick up for his big brother. He got a lot of, uh, you know, high fives and stuff from the bench uh, afterwards. So it, that's just another layer that we're, you know, Cole didn't think twice about making that happen. Uh, uh, Bailey got decked and, and Cole was on that guy like white on rice. So uh, that's good to see from him. That's the kind of stuff that, you know, that those are the layers of his game that he needs to continue to uh, to develop down in Utica while he's getting these minutes that he's getting. I'm not suggesting that Cole needs to be dropping the gloves every game, but the fact that he's willing to do that in that situation, uh, that that's the kind of thing that his teammates and his coaching staff are going to be you know, making a note of. That's good. I can speak from experience to say my little brother hasn't stuck up for me uh, ever in my life. So nice to see Cole Lynn <laughs> doing it. Um, but I, I, we just talked to Cole Lynn. We just had him on our, on our Tuesday episode, and we kind of touched on him being the only player that's played in every single game for the Yuka Comets. He... He mentioned it's a little bit of luck, but he also talked about his offseason. He, he kind of fully invested into stretching and yoga and kind of working his body a little bit differently. I wonder how much that has come into play with him. And, and him just having the more confident play, I think, is the biggest thing that's changed. But I wonder, Corey, like, if he takes a step like he did this offseason, what type of player is he going to be next year if he does that again? 
Well, I mean, if he can take that kind of step again, I mean, I'm not suggesting he's going to make that big of a points jump again, but just his uh, his level of play, um, you know, he's already getting to the point where he's, I don't want to say he looks like an AHL veteran, uh, but he does not look like a guy who's only been in the league for, you know, just his second year, especially after the first season that he had. He's a guy that's looking really sharp down there. He's not putting up the points maybe that he uh, was earlier on in the season. And, you know, the second half of the season we need to or we should be expecting that some of these guys are going to drop off a little bit in their in their uh, in their points that they're putting up per game. But uh, it's I'm not worried about that with Cole because the rest of his game is still there. He's still getting in there after whistles. He's still working hard in his board battles. He's still doing nice work uh, on, on the uh, playmaking side of things. So I think Cole's uh, next season, if he can get in another good uh, off season of training and, and just make the, the, the improvements that he still needs to make, and there there are still some, but it's nowhere near like it was for him last year. So I'm really, really uh, looking forward to seeing where he goes next season because I think he's got a really good opportunity to, you know, depending on who's on the big club next year, I think Cole's got a pretty good opportunity to push his name to the front of the pile there for guys that should be getting a, a look when they need a, you know, an injury fill in or whatever earlier on in the season. Corey, what's going on with Olio Levy? He's got. Uh, he's been out of the last couple of games with uh, hip soreness. I mean, this is something that uh, we heard from the coaching staff that we should expect to see going forward in the second half. After he had his, uh, you know, his trip up to Vancouver there to get that looked after or looked at, um, it's all part of him still coming back from that. Uh, you know, his back and his knee injuries, and and uh, they're trying to kind of manage his uh, workload and he's got some soreness in his hip uh, last couple of games so they're kind of uh, you know dialing him back right now and having him sit out while they can. Corey what have you liked what you've seen from uh, Mikey DiPietro? His quiet game I think that's the biggest thing uh, you know he can still make the sprawling saves when he needs to but uh, he it's that's not uh, you know his go-to anymore he's just looks a lot more together um and the biggest thing I like about his game is just his uh, his mental attitude. The guy has a really, really good knack of being able to, you know, shake shake off a bad goal or a bad game. I was on uh, Comets Insider on Monday uh, after he was yanked in the Saturday game, and uh, I told him I, that I ex- fully expected Mikey to come out and have a big game on Wednesday, and he made 36 of 37 <laughs> saves. And, uh, you know, the Comets came away with a win, and then he comes out tonight and makes 33 of 34 for another win. And, uh, you know, that's just, that's what that's what he does. He's, uh, you know, he's got the mental makeup to uh, to be able to put a team on his back and, and uh, you know, give them some confidence that, hey, if a bad one beats me, I'm still here to stop the rest of them. And, and he's done a really good job of doing that this year. Corey, I didn't get to see tonight's game on Friday, but I saw Wednesday's game. It, it, it almost felt like he... He looked like bigger facing shots. Like, did you see something similar to that on Friday, or did you see that at all on Wednesday? Yeah, I mean, that's what I kind of what I was getting at. It's not the not the sprawling uh, yeah. Mikey Di Pietro. He's uh, he's cutting his angles down. He's just he's making himself uh, putting himself in a better position to be able to track pucks. And I think that's that's kind of the biggest uh, difference that we've seen from him this year compared to his junior career. He's just, uh, you know, uh, tracking pucks better because he's putting himself in a better position to do so. And that's obviously showing up with, what has he got, uh, 21 wins now this year, I believe. So um, he's three or four back from Thatcher Demko's uh, record with the team for wins in a season. So, uh, you know, could be all kinds of records falling in Utica (laughs) this year. Good year for you down there. As soon as Thatcher Demko loses a couple more games, people are going to start calling, asking for the call of a Mikey DiPietro. But I'm not going to make you I'm talk about that. that. <laughs> yeah, I'm already uh, seeing that. I'm already seeing that on too. Twitter. Yeah, and it's it's we've talked about this. It's just way too early. Uh, I don't even want to throw that question to you because I'm not a stupid guy on Twitter talking about the comments, Corey. I know a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but I, uh, I wanted to continue about um, – we touched on a little bit last week. You had part one come out. Uh, and I wanted to touch on part two of your conversation with Ashwin Patel. And I, I talked about it with Cole a little bit in the conversation. I don't know if it, I think it was in the Patreon part. And I just asked him, like, what kind of help he's been and he just said the cool thing that he liked. And I think you wrote about this in part two was that he's there around practice a lot. And he's actually just like on the bench uh, for a lot of practices just for players to come by and chat with. 
Yeah. So what it, what uh, what I got from Ash on that side of things is uh, he'll come in in the morning and he'll kind of do his his. Uh, his presentation or uh, his thing that he's got for the team to look at for that day. And he tries to keep them, uh, you know, everything to kind of 10 minutes sort of lessons or whatever, so that he can, uh, you know, keep everybody, you know, engaged and interested in the content. And then uh, that happens before practice. And then they go out and during practice, uh, he's out there on the bench. And if, uh, you know, if the, co- and the stuff they work on in practice for that day is stuff that, uh, you know, Ashwin is uh, dealt with with the coaching staff and kind of put a plan together. So if players have questions or if they've got something that they want to talk about, he's right there on the bench. They can skate over and and have a chat with them. And and uh, he just he's he's really good at making himself available to them. The kind of the thing I heard from him a lot in that interview was that he just wants to be a resource for the team, yeah. whether that's for the players, for the coaching staff, for the trainers. I mean, he brought up another good point. Uh, they've got a guy there, Roman Kashki, who's the, uh, their athletic trainer and, uh, or their athletic therapist, sorry. And, uh, you know, he's the guy that's got to be the first guy out on the ice, the first responder if a player gets injured. And when you look at what happened with Jay Bowmeister recently, um, you know, we think about the players needing maybe some, some help on the, the mental aspect of the game, but, when uh, I don't personally, I never really thought too much about the training staff and having to go out there if, if a player has a oh, yeah. kind of a horrific injury or something, a scary incident, and you got to be the first guy out there, and, and everybody's got to be confident and comfortable that you're, you know, you can get the job done. That's a lot of pressure and a lot of weight to to put on a person. So the fact that the organization's got uh, you know Ashwin there to help on that side of things, even not just with the players, but with everybody else involved with the team. I just, I think it's just, it's a really forward thinking sort of a thing from the team that I, I don't think they get a lot of credit for. Absolutely. I, the final thing I wanted to ask, and, and you bring up a really good thing because like I, I'm a level three first aid guy at the mill. So like we've had to deal with some pretty rough first aids and uh, you know, never really had anything like that. And I think that's a, that's a great thing to bring up because yeah, nobody's talking about that at all. But the, the final thing that I thought was funny about Ash was, uh, he grew up a Flyers fan. I think he wrote about it like 40 years of, uh, yeah, 40 plus years of being a Flyers fan, but that's it. He's all in Canucks. He's all in Comets. What did you think when he said that? Oh, I thought it was the greatest. I mean, he was, <laughs> and he was like dead serious when he was saying it. Like he was as sincere as, as any other part of his conversation. Like it was just matter of fact. Look, I've, I grew up in, in Southern Ontario and I, I grew up a diehard Flyers fan and I got hired by the team and within five months of being hired by the team, that's it. I'm all in Canucks. <laughs> I'm all in Comets. I mean, he, he really wants to, uh, do everything he can to help, uh, you know, to help this organization. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the fact that he's employed by the Comets, uh, I think is a big thing. The, the Canucks have, a, uh, Alex, uh, Hodgkins, I think is the fellow's name. That's, looks after that side of things in Vancouver. And, uh, you know, the fact that the Comets have their own person down there doing that, as well as getting the help from up top. I just, again, I think it's a forward-thinking thing. That was something that, uh, you know, Scott Scott Walker kind of put the, the that thing into the into the works, uh, got the things rolling on that side of things. And then Ryan Johnson and, and Ashwin sat down and, and really got it going. And uh, again, I just, I think it's a really big thing for the team and, and I'm really pleased that they've done it. Absolutely. So the article's out on Canucks Army. I believe that part two is the featured one right now, but if not, uh, you can just search up Canucks Army in Google and search up Corey and it'll be the first one that pops up there. Uh, Corey, it's going to be a busy little stretch run uh, for the rest of the year. They have three games every week all the way up until the end of the season. Uh, So we're excited to get you on here every week and thanks again for stopping by. Thanks again, guys. Always a blast. And another big shout out to Grandpa Hergot there for joining us there for riding the bus segment. Um, great talk with him. We could have talked about a lot more stuff. And the fact that Mikey DiPietro right now, last two games, faced 60-plus shots, I think 70 shots actually in total, and only allowed two goals. Uh, great performance from him over the past weekend. Great performance from Zephyr Epic as well. Man, yeah, like, you know, we got to talk about them. So instead of an ad, we're just going to talk about them, about how much we love them. So <laughs> Zephyr Epic, you know, um, they send us cards. 
we just love those guys so much. But if you want some cards of your own, we've got good news for you. So first of all, you can go to their website, zephyrepic.com, and use promo code CanucksConvo for $5 off your order. And you can also use that promo code in-store at their location in Surrey. So definitely go check them out. You get $5 off your order if you use that promo code. They ship anywhere free in Canada for orders over $50. So really, if you're buying anything from Series 2. Also, the, the store is sick. I got to cut in here. The store is really cool. Uh, it's so much stuff in there. Every single pack you could think of. They also have single cards available for sale. Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, Magic, Hockey, Baseball, Basketball. They have, like The store is so cool. And like it's like a small little room. It's like an L-shaped room. All the sports stuff on the left side, all the other trading cards on the other side. It's it's awesome. It's that in is Surrey, so sick and uh, easy to get to. It's like off of. Uh, it's kind of in like a um, industrial area, so it's kind of like stands okay. on its own. So I'm oh, sorry, sorry to cut you off, but keep talking about them. And yeah, so stuff. yeah, we we love them, and we have a exciting giveaway with them. So as mentioned last week, we do have uh, a hobby series two hobby box to give away that's 120 dollars value we're giving that away to one of our patreon subscribers so all you have to do is go sub to our patreon that's going to be like either five or ten bucks a month we'll get you entered into the giveaway i think we said uh and you'll get all the bonus content we've done interviews with al murdoch brent sopel uh brendan bachelor cole lind aiden mcdonough uh jet Wu, and i think that's all we've had folks Carson no, Carson, Pope. he was on the regular episode. Yes, that's right. But we will have more Patreon We stuff. definitely we, will have more Patreon We did stuff. the episode with you and me. Yeah, we had an episode where Chris and I went pretty in-depth on our like upbringings and how we ended up working together. It was pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, you'll get all that content, and you'll be entered in to win that hobby box, uh, which is really exciting. But the giveaway that we're going to be in, well, we're going to put out the tweet next Friday, but for those that have listened this far into the episode, you're exclusive. Actually, send us a message on Twitter. like a, a Send out a tweet if you saw us talking or you heard us talking about this this is the giveaway with zephyr we're going to be giving away three series one team triples boxes that is 24 packs in each i believe nine packs in each nine packs team okay. triples boxes nine packs yes. plus one of the team triples. yes boxes. okay 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 exactly but that's series one so that's your opportunity to pull a queen and we're yes. going to give away like you just mentioned you didn't say it loud enough three boxes of these packs. three of these three, three of, of these them. things and it's going to be awesome and yeah we're are we giving them three to one person or are we giving three yeah, different we're giving people three to one, one three person to one person and yeah. this is how you enter you go onto your little twitter machine you follow zephyr epic on twitter z-e-p-h-y-r epic and you follow us at canucks convo and you retweet the tweet that we're going to be putting out next friday it'll be a video we're going to do it in video. the video that's holding up three boxes of these we're going to show you what we're giving away um and yeah, that's all you need to do. You don't even have to donate to the Patreon. You but don't you even do, have to donate, but you could. The Series 2 Hobby Box is like Rob Lomas did uh, to this yes, past week. Joined us him. from across the pond. We're going to uh, we're gonna have to send over a package, another one, heading yep. over to England, Oh yeah, uh, which I'm excited to do. Maybe, uh, maybe he'll open a pack with us as well. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. So definitely go check that out, uh, patreon.com slash CanucksConvo. Once then- the Patreon people get perks as well with our openings with zephyr we talked about gene he's gonna he's a yeah, washington capitals gene's fan a, yeah gene's a washington capitals fan all so just, the capitals yeah. cards hidden away they're going for him uh if you guys get involved with the patreon we do whatever you guys want for an episode uh for this bonus content we want to you know you guys are supporting us we want to give back as much as we can for our patreon supporters so that's patreon.com slash canucks convo and the big video coming next week for the giveaway for the triple team triples box are you done I'm done. You're all zephyred out? <laughs> I'm all zephyred out. I'm going to put on my hat and go clubbing. All right. The final thing uh, I forgot to do in the past, like, six episodes, uh, but we have seen some come in over the past little bit, and I, we totally appreciate it. It helps boost the algorithm on Apple Podcasts. If you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts, we would really appreciate a rate and review of the show. Uh, that's what helps us get noticed by other people that are looking for Canucks type of content. Um, all you got to do, simplest way to do, you open up your phone, you click the Apple Podcast app, you hit search, you search Canucks conversation, or even just search up Canucks. And I think we pop up pretty close near the top, which is cool, but we're probably going to get the, the teens probably going to come down on us and make us take Canucks out of our name pretty soon. Uh, as that happened earlier in the year to uh Drancer and J pad on their show, but they haven't come down on us yet. So uh, up to that point, just look it up, go to your Apple podcast app, hit the search bar, search up Canucks combo, click the podcast, swipe down all the way to the bottom give us a rate and review uh we'd love to get them in there and maybe we should probably start reading them on air because they're really nice quads all the ones that we've gotten in so far they are very nice i've really read a nice. lot of them they're very Good. nice i think we're getting close to 69 reviews as well which is also nice nice very close if you want to be the 69th review 
head on to Apple Podcasts and do that. We're going to wrap it up there. Uh, the Canucks are playing right now. Troy from Richmond just buried a goal. Canucks first. Shout out Parallel 49. Shout out Canucks right now. They need this one against uh, the Colorado Avalanche. We will be back on Tuesday for episode 70 of the Canucks Conversation. For my co-host, David Quadrelli, my name is Chris Faber, and thank you for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 